Welcome to Once Upon a Disney, an analytical yet unloving look at Disney narrative filmography from the 20th century. I'm Andy Redwine, and with me as always is my trained professional co-host who never panics, Larry Brenner. How are you, Larry? Never panics. <laughs> I, I I mean, I listen to these, Andy, but but never panics, huh? Oh, okay. That That is now canon, guys. And if you've seen me panic in real life, it didn't happen. Didn't happen. Never happened. Didn't happen. Never. Never happened. Uh, what movie are we doing today, Larry? We are doing A Bug's Life Ooh. from 1998. Mm-hmm. Uh, very excited to talk about A Bug's Life. Uh, Andy, how do you feel about it? I'm also excited. Or probably more excited than you are. <laughs> so oh, <laughs> I'm excited because I learned a lot about what not to do while watching this movie, although although I enjoy it. But but like it's got my it's got my gears turning a little bit. I'm excited to discuss it with you. Yeah. Yeah. Well, let's jump right into some key facts. Uh, If you're familiar with Aesop's fables, uh, you'll recognize a bug's life's inspiration from the ant and the grasshopper. But perhaps with a little more angst from the grasshoppers. Just a Uh, in the original fable, which, by the way, was covered by Disney in a silly symphony cartoon in 1934, a grasshopper chooses to sing and dance instead of finding and storing food like the ants, right? Uh, but when they were looking at an adaptation, uh, writer Andrew Stanton and storyboard artist, the late Joe Rant, uh realized that the grasshopper was a lot bigger and could just take the food. And why didn't it just do that? That is so hysterical because that sounds like a fanboy today watching a movie (laughs) and being like, why doesn't Indy use his whip in this moment? This makes no sense. He's got a whip. (laughs) It's, it's. Uh, But you know, what if the grasshoppers just took the food? I mean, that's. Sure. uh, It just defeats the purpose of the story. (laughs) Sure. But it is a great, I mean, it's a great exercise, I think, it, when we look at an old story and ask, what if this happened instead of that? I and mean, that can always lead us down some interesting roads. So, okay, I'll go. With uh, it. This movie comes with a bit of controversy. So, Pixar, I don't want to get into all of it, but it's mm-hmm. definitely a cloud that looms over this film. Uh, Pixar had released Toy Story and the Former head of Disney's film division, Jeffrey Katzenberg, had left Disney, not without some, you know, feathers being ruffled, uh, to help form DreamWorks, okay? However, Katzenberg remained friends with John Lasseter at Pixar. Okay. And, and, And in fact, you know, Lasseter continued to use Katzenberg as someone he could bounce ideas off of from time to time, you know, just sort of a sounding board. So Lasseter told Katzenberg of A Bug's Life, but he claims that he found out about the DreamWorks picture Ants through reading the film trade papers. Okay. So then this huge fight erupts between DreamWorks and Disney Pixar as to when the films are going to launch and how they're going to compete with one another. There's a lot of drama you can read about online that I don't want to get into here. Sure. There's a, there's a lot of drama. And Ants ends up releasing first. Now, you can watch both movies side by side and figure out which one you think is superior. But if you're looking for a movie for the whole family, I think A Bug's Life is the winner here. However, a lot of people still get these two movies confused. Uh, and the, understandably. And the, 
And the genesis of this confusion is probably in this controversy. This is where we get the piece of conventional wisdom that Hollywood cannot support more than one bug-related movie per year. I mean, <laughs> every every producer knows that in their bones. Well, I mean, I think there was this there was this idea that, oh, we're going to have a space movie. You know, it's going to be just like space movies. Space movies, one of them came out, and then there were 500,000 space movies, right? There's going to be a bug movie, and... Everybody's going to come out with a bug movie. I mean, I think that was... Everybody, without exception, <laughs> loves bugs, adores them, adores them, <laughs> finds them cute, fantasizes mm-hmm. about mm-hmm. being one. I mean, yeah. no arguments. Yeah. So that was the that was actually the thought process, I think, behind this, or at least that's what I'm reading online. And again, if you want all the National Enquirer drama, intrigue, suspense lawsuit garbage you can go through and sift through that you know you can go down that rabbit hole yourself but we won't be doing that here Uh, but it is something that i think we needed to mention uh while this is the second fully computer animated film from pixar with toy story being the first a bug's life is the first movie to be digitally transferred frame by frame and released on dvd so there's that okay uh, like Toy Story, like in Toy Story, Randy Newman does the music for this feature, which brings him yet another Grammy. And the movie opened on Thanksgiving weekend in 1998 and grossed uh, $363 million, so not too shabby there. You know, Larry, I like this movie a lot. I, and and mainly, mainly it's because of the animation. Um, animation it was, is glorious. It was a beauty on the big screen at the time. And I think... You know, I think this this movie suffers because, you know, computer animation storytelling has evolved quite a bit, right? And I, I agree with you. I'm also going to try to be fair to this movie because there, it has an unfairness attached to it, which is this is the movie Pixar releases directly after Toy Story. Mm-hmm. And when you go to see A Bug's Life, the thing that gets you to overcome the fact that it's about bugs, if you're someone who doesn't love bugs, is Toy Story knocked it out of the park. Mm-hmm. And at the time, everything in my head was comparing this movie to Toy Story. Right. And even now, I still have that bias, so I'm going to acknowledge that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that being said, Andy, I don't think this is... It's visually compelling, messy storytelling. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we can get into it, uh, ex- exactly exactly why that is. Well, we, but, we wouldn't write a, or, or make a movie this way now. And, and, Certainly. And, yeah, and I, I think I think you know, I, but for the time, I mean, this is a hugely popular movie. So, and like like you said, it is riding on the coattails of Toy Story for sure. I mean, it's sort of like you know the, the whatever airs after The Simpsons, though. Is it really good, or did people <laughs> just not change the channel? I, I I don't I don't think a bug's I don't think a bug's life is terrible, right. but I understand why they never made a sequel to it. Mm. Um, and well, let's get into it. Let's start. Let's sure. start with plot. Uh, sure. I want st- to. We, we always start our discussion of plot with a conversation about the Manish Tana, the opening yeah. moments of the movie, the moments we chose that the filmmakers chose to start us off on. And in this movie, we begin uh, far away from the movie. We're taking uh, we're taking a look overhead at this sort of sort of semi island of grass and trees and what have you. Um, and then we start to zoom in, getting closer and closer to the blades of grass uh, so that we see that we're, we're really putting this environment under a microscope. And then we see an ant on a flower. 
and that ant is harvesting grain from, from that plant. And then we see the other ants getting the grain. They've got sort of like, you know, an assembly line uh, formation here where they, they, get a, they get a grain, they move forward, they put it on the pile, uh, and the, we don't actually get any conflict until a catastrophe happens. A leaf falls from a tree, right. uh, destroying the line for the ants. Um, that shows us how married they are to to tradition and their way of doing things, right? And and so, well, it does show it. It does show us that it, sh- uh, it shows us, um, it shows us that this is a look. Real ants operate this way. Mm-hmm. When they're when when a leaf comes down and and separates the line, there is this momentary panic of wait, wait, what do we do? And then we see another ant come in and go. We're going to go around the leaf, like takes mm-hmm. on a leadership role. And and brings them around brings them around the leaf, and and the problem is solved. But it it shows that as a community, mm-hmm. the ants can't handle the slightest bit of adversity without right. going into panic. That they have no ability, they have limited ability to problem solve. I will say that in this moment, it would have been great for Princess Ada to be the one to to move them around the leaf. Mm-hmm. Or the queen, or or one of our main characters to establish mm-hmm. what these royals do, but but apparently there there is a hierarchy. There are administrators. There are people tasked <laughs> to deal with this sort of adversity. Uses some good therapy talk, actually. We're just going to take baby steps around the leaf till we get past our problem. Uh, and this is how we open our movie. And Andy, you may have already answered this. Uh, we may have already answered why we start here. Did you know there was an earlier Manish Tana that got scrapped? I did not. Okay, no. so it it used to, the, when the movie was first made, it opened with a museum sequence that started the story of how grasshoppers used to terrorize. And a little girl aunt asked, you know, how come the grasshoppers don't come here anymore? And the museum person tells her, well, you know, about this one year that happens. And, and then she her answer is, this year, one ant would make a difference. Oh, so sort of like trying to do a storybook sort of opening outside of the movie. Exactly. And then they all got kind of irritated with it because they were tired of seeing the storybook opening that was typical. But I'm I irritated honest- with it, too. I, I agree with that. But, <laughs> but, no, well, but yeah. well, I honestly think that that would have solved some problems that we're going to see later down the road. At least it would have set up who the one ant is. And it would have um, themed nicely. One ant can make a difference. Uh, right. Put, putting it right at right at the start of the movie. Uh, there are definitely advantages to it. What we have puts us in a world of ants where Princess Ada is worried about her ability to really serve as the queen. But what we have here doesn't really solidify Flick, I don't think, as the protagonist. No. He feels almost like an antagonist to Princess Ada's worries. She has to figure out how to manage him in order to keep things working for her colony. Princess Ada is the one with a with a problem. Yeah. And her problem is her anxiety level about dealing with what that there is no problem. I mean, there is a larger structural 
uh, problem in terms of the ants' relationships with the grasshoppers. But mm-hmm. they've been getting by, and there's no reason to think there's an immediate crisis about to brew. But right. she's already hyper vigilant. And you're right, we're establishing a character flaw in a character that has a lot of responsibility. And I, I think there's something to be said for it. The movie makes us think uh, Princess Ada's um, anxiety is going right. to be the thing that screws it up. She's going to have so much anxiety. She's going to do something wrong and mess everything. She's going to create a problem where there is no problem. And already, Andy, that would be a better movie because because that's a right. real thing. <clears throat> right. And so that's the expectation that the Manishtana sets, right? Yes. What it doesn't set up is Flick, who we're going to get a few <laughs> moments later. Uh, And all of this is exposition. We see that Flick is different from the other ants. He's an inventor. He's come up with a way to uh, mass harvest grain. But we also notice that nobody likes his innovations um, because it's not the way that things have been done. And I want to point out, it's not like Flick has screwed up. His invention works. All of his inventions work. Very clearly, they would all make ant life better. But no one is interested in listening to him. So they continue to harvest. Uh, and Flick is still using his harvest machine. We can tell that Princess Anna, Flick makes Princess Anna nervous because doing something new triggers her anxiety in a specific way. Um, right. And, and I'm going to say, Andy, something happens that feels like the inciting incident but I don't think actually is the inciting incident of this movie. Uh, I, I think we could argue about it. But th- what feels like an inciting incident is Flick accidentally, when he strips off his invention, mm-hmm. uh, you know, breaks the rock pile that all of the seeds come on. The seeds all fall into the water and the grasshoppers who are going to come and eat the food have no food and and threaten the ant colony, and that feels yeah like an inciting incident. But I don't be. think it, and it should be the inciting incident. I agree with you. Something has happened that has not happened before. Uh, what what do you, do you do you think this is the inciting incident? Do you disagree? <laughs> I'd say it's not, but I know why it feels like one. I mean, it feels like one because the stakes are so high. They've just worked so hard and lost all the food that they've been trying to, you know, put together and and all that. But I really think it's when I I, I think the movie wants it to be that. Sure. Um, but I think the real inciting incident happens when Hopper directly um, threatens Flick. And I think it happens even later than that. Really? Okay. Yes. Okay. okay so here's my argument. So. When when the food falls into the river, it creates a crisis, but it doesn't create a crisis for Flick. It creates a fr- crisis for Princess Anna. And if this movie is her story and her journey, mm-hmm. um, it should be she's screwed up mm-hmm. somehow, uh, screwed up this thing that is routine and it is going to cause a disastrous thing for her colony. And how is she going to fix it? Right. But it isn't her movie. It's actually Flick's movie. And I think it doesn't become an inciting incident until Flick has the idea to make the choice, let's recruit other bugs to protect us 
from the grasshoppers. Because up until that point, he's not going on an adventure. Hopper right, because is that, that, yeah, because that feeds the climax too, doesn't it? If Flick doesn't make that choice, the rest mm-hmm. of the movie is watching them harvest grain. They probably squeak it out. The grasshoppers mm-hmm. eat it, There's and things return to the status quo. Flick might be shamed a little bit. Princess Anna might might have a panic attack again next year because things went wrong. Right. But, but it's Flick's story. Flick didn't choose to mess up the grain. Flick chooses to try to repair the damage in this particular way and go on a quest. Okay. And so... I'll say that that's the inciting incident, right? More than and then anything. he goes on, yeah, and then he goes on more of a hero's journey from and, there. And, yeah, and then that works. It becomes for me. more clearly his movie at that yeah. point. He's the character that travels from one world to another, and I, I, I really stand by the idea that the character who who travels from one world to the other is your protagonist, or. Yeah, should be your protagonist. We'll get we'll get into it because there might be more interesting choices to make than Flick. Right. So having established this as the inciting incident, Flick goes to the city and we shift perspective to Mm -hmm. a circus Um, and a bunch of characters at the circus. And the the, they are not uh, for whatever reason. Did we get the sense that they are talented performers, but that they are unlucky performers, that things go wrong for them by by sheer chance? Right. They get fired after a disastrous circus expi- uh, exhibition. They go to a bar to drink their troubles away with, I mean, but it's not alcoholic drinking it away, but, but you know, it's that sort of thing. It's the same bar that Flick goes to. Right. Misunderstandings occur. Flick thinks that they are warriors and recruits them to come back to Ant Isle. The circus bugs think that Flick is looking for talent to perform at Ant Isle. (laughs) Neither is really wrong, but, you know, neither of them at any point in this journey ask any clarifying questions. So I think everybody's at fault. Mm -hmm. Um, They get back to Ant Island um, and a crisis occurs when after being introduced to everybody as warriors, uh, the, the circus bugs realize they're here for the wrong job. And then tell Flick, and Flick realizes that once again, he's screwed up dramatically. Mm-hmm. This is all still rising action. So now we're going we're gonna to watch them do sort of a threes company, come and knock at our door. Let's perpetuate <laughs> the misunderstanding. The circus bugs are going to pass themselves off as heroes, while mm-hmm. Flick's plan, which is to create, when they realize that, you know, Hopper, as a grasshopper, is afraid of birds, um, is going to be to construct a false bird to get to scare the grasshoppers away, I guess, forever. The bird Uh, will work. (laughs) And there, you know, there are minor complications along the way where the gig, where the jig is almost up. But Mm -hmm. I mean, really minor and easily solved. Up until the point where, out of nowhere, P.T. Flea shows up and says, have you seen my circus performers? Uh, I've been going from ant colony to ant colony and reveals they are not warriors. They are, in fact, circus bugs. Right. Anna 
is upset and says, Flick, you lied to us. She exiles Flick. She uh, gets rid of the circus bugs. Um, and now the grasshoppers come, are, are about are about to come. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, the, the, the plot just sort of like gets a little messy for me here. Because mm-hmm. like a lot of things are happening at once. The grasshoppers are on their way. Flick has a crisis of conscience. The bird idea wouldn't work, he says, because Princess Anna told him it wouldn't work. The circus bugs convince him that it would try to convince him that he would. He's almost convinced. And then Dot and his younger sister comes and and, and convinces him. Uh, they go back. Uh, there isn't enough grain. Then the circus performers show up to do a distraction for Hopper while Flick gets the bird in, into place. Uh, the bird plan works, but mm-hmm. in, the, in the turmoil, P.T. Flea gets loose again and decides in a moment of what I would say is True heroism from Mm -hmm. P.T. Flea. He's going to set himself on fire and attack the bird, revealing things as a hoax. Mm -hmm. We're getting to our climax here, Andy. Yes. Um, And what would you say the climax is? Well, I think Hopper has his hands around Flick's neck and a real bird comes along, right? And feeds feeds him to the babies. So Yeah. So it's the final confrontation between... Flick and Hopper. Yeah. Which get and let's let's be in the first half of it, Flick defeats Hopper. He mm-hmm. does. But then the rain comes, which allows Hopper to get free, and now Hopper is going to try to kill Flick when a a, a bird ex machina comes down and <laughs> and takes takes Hopper. And no doubt Hopper goes to an untimely end uh, at the at the beaks of those baby birds but so the i will say the climax is unsatisfying for me in that i really want flick to win this and not the bird well flick does win it at first right it's that hopper gets an unfair second chance because the rain comes that hopper that hopper comes in so i can forgive it that here's my problem with the climax Mm -hmm. hopper is not flick's enemy He's Princess Anna's enemy. Ada. Prin- Ada. Princess Ada's enemy. There you go. For some reason. Maybe they should make a character you know, Princess it's... Anna. <laughs> um, but it's, it's, ah. it's definitely the, uh, Princess Ada's enemy. Princess uh-huh. Ada has been like the... Sub- has been subjugated, forced to sit at Hopper's side during entertainment. Hopper's mm-hmm. Hopper had this conversation with her about how everything that goes wrong is your fault when you're in charge. Like, mm-hmm. like she needs to grow into her leadership role. That's that, and Hopper is the outside threat. She should not need. I, I'm gonna, I'm gonna get a little, you know, social justice here. She should not need a man to come in. And get rid of her enemy for her. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I mean, I think it would be so, as you're talking, my wheels are turning. Like, what if what if somehow she has some relationship with the real bird? We set that up. And then she summons the real bird to save Flick, right? And, or, say, and, what, and what defeat if Hopper. What if Flick's journey was instead of getting warrior bugs to recruit a bird? Yeah. Tell a bird that, you know... There are these grasshoppers coming. It's an all-you-can-eat buffet. But how do you find the bird, right? Like, that might be 
Well, except for the circus bugs or the toys, right? <laughs> so from Toy Story. Um, so we have to have a you know a, a mad cadre of a, a group. So I don't know. Maybe those are all birds. I don't know. But um, I, yeah, I. But like you get a bird, but the bird is like not really particularly fierce. I don't know what the bird that would listen to a bug. I don't know. There's something you could do with that. Sure. Um, but but again, Ad, this is Ada's problem to solve. She's in charge. And I don't mm-hmm. real as much as this movie wants us to believe that Ada comes of age in this story. Uh, the, the old queen retires and puts the crown on Ada's head. It, Ada didn't do anything. Yeah, she she's really passive. For somebody with a pro, for somebody with a primary problem, she's pretty passive. And she consistently makes the wrong choices regarding Flick mm-hmm. throughout this movie. She creates problems for Flick. She exiles Flick. Yeah. All of her all of the decisions she actually makes are the wrong ones. Mm-hmm. And maybe I wanted a scene where she stops listening to her advisors and she's like, maybe that's the thing that's there. I want a scene where she overcomes her doubt, but it needs to be her that protect. But why do we even have a queen if she can't protect her colony from outside right. aggressors? And mm-hmm. Flick, Flick's enemy is not Hopper. Hopper has made Flick into a symbol, but Hopper doesn't know Flick's name. Right, right. right. What about the falling action resolution? Yeah, so the falling what action of... What do we think about it? Falling action of this is the the crickets, the grasshoppers have been uh, chased away, except for Molt, who's going to join the circus. All right. of the circus bugs are going back to the circus. Mm-hmm. Uh, Heimlich, has fi- the caterpillar, has finally become a butterfly, sort of. <laughs> uh, but it's really not changing his life at all. The wings no. are small, decorative, non-functional. <laughs> he, his life is unchanged, except maybe he feels better about himself mm-hmm. uh, in some particular way. Uh, Flick is invited to go with the circus bugs, but stays behind because it looks like something romantic's happening between <laughs> him and Ada. Um, and, I mean, that's it. Oh, and, oh, and we yeah. also see that the ants have now adopted... Flick's inventions and are living a much better, more balanced life where there's time for work, but there's also time for recreation. Um, and ant life forever has been changed by Flick. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the falling action. Yeah. Well, let's let's dive into these characters because I think we're gonna hit some. Um, I think we hit some points here. Uh, I'm definitely going to. <laughs> so. Uh, Flick, who was voiced by Dave Foley, um, you know, he's, as you mentioned, he's sort of a misfit, but he wants to use his brains to help uh, ants work smarter, not harder, right? Um, I, thinking about him, like, he's a superhero of sorts, and that he doesn't have much of an arc. Um, his well, superheroes have arcs. I, I Well, I, I would mean, say he's more, he's, the, the, I think what you're really saying is he's doesn't have much of a flaw. No, I mean, his superpower is that he's idea man. His flaw is that people, well, here's the thing. Like he, he only has perceived flaws and not real ones. And I think that's a deficit for this movie. The flaw is not in Flick. The flaw is in the community. Flick's ideas are consistently good 
and the right answer to the problems of their times. His problem is no one listens to him. And that that is really not Flick's fault. Flick right. does everything he can to try to change the lives of his people for the better. Mm-hmm. And and it is a flaw in Princess Ada and by, by extent the rest of the ant community mm-hmm. that no one except for Dot listens to him. Right. I mean, at first he's applauded for leaving the colony, but by the end he's applauded for saving it. And we're left thinking, well, if only he was seen for who he really is. And interestingly, right. he's, he's to, he seems to be sort of blind, at least in the beginning, to the colony's distaste for him. I, I think that's true. Um, but I think he needs to be blind to it because because if so, so if they made him not blind to it mm-hmm. um, and like and maybe that would be a better movie that he has to like he has ideas, he works, he has, but he lacks the confidence to express his ideas mm-hmm. that that might be that would give him I mean, a flaw I, to overcome. I, I, give him a flaw. I, I, I want him to have this moment where he he sees the colony and he's like, you know. I'm I'm out of here. I I he leaves the colony in disgust, and he maybe he joins the circus. He doesn't just recruit it. I mean, I, I I think he joins the circus. I think that would be interesting. And then you know his people are in trouble, and then he rallies this new circus to you know become warriors. Right. I think that's I, mean, that I think that's a better movie too. Like yeah. a, if after the big you know drop the seeds into the river collapse, mm-hmm. he he doesn't get exiled, but runs away like Simba runs away in The Lion yeah, King and finds a new family. Yeah. And then hears that, mm-hmm. did you hear what happened to the ants on Ant's Isle? Maybe maybe Dot pulls sort of like a, a Nala in The Lion King and says, you have to come back to Ant Island. Things have gotten worse. There's there's something I mean, there is a, there's a, There is a, and I can see Pixar's resistance to to doing that because it is so Lion King. It is. Or, or just like their story, they were resistant to the storybook opening, right? Um, for the same reasons. We don't want to do what everybody's always done. So I get that. But the problem is, is that we are losing stuff because Flick doesn't have this flaw. He doesn't have something to overcome. And honestly, he doesn't have much of a, he doesn't have much of an arc. He has, he doesn't have an arc. I, I think really the problem here is you shouldn't create a movie where the rest of the world needs to learn they have to adjust to one person. Right. Right? That's <laughs> that's that that's not the protagonist's journey. The protagonist needs to figure something out about himself, mm-hmm. make himself better. And and Flick doesn't have that kind of revelation. Midway through the movie, Princess Ada says something hurtful to him, and it hurts his self-esteem at that point. But that is a brand new flaw that he's getting at like the 45 minute, 50 minute point that right. has not been at play for the rest of the movie. Right. He's actually had a sort of quiet self-confidence that like someday his ideas will be respected by other people. Right. When, right. when he talks to Dot and the other bugs, he kind of takes a tone of one day you'll get it. One mm. day you'll get me. Mm. I respect that. It just doesn't make for good protagonism. Right. I don't so well, let's talk about the antagonist of this movie, or at least one of the antagonists of this movie, um, Hopper, uh, voiced by Kevin Spacey. I, I think Hopper delivers the best line of the movie. Yes, and he says, "You know, you let one ant stand up to us, and then they all might stand up." That so is the puni- best scene in the movie, not just oh, the yeah. best line. 
Those um, puny it, little ants outnumber us 100 to 1. If they ever figure that out, there goes our way of life. It's not about food. It's about keeping those ants in line. So he's a bully. He bullies the ants. He bullies his gang. And the only entity he's ever had any level of respect for is his mother. And he respects her memory by not murdering his brother. <laughs> Sure. Right. But he articulates his worldview and philosophy in a way mm-hmm. in which I think most Disney movie villains do not. He's right. thought about this. Mm-hmm. He's 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 got a philosophy uh, that has been working for him. Yes, mm-hmm. he's a fascist. And yes, uh, no what he brooks no dissent, but it's not an accident and it's not it it's been working for him. Yeah, I mean, I mean, he's comparable to Scar in that way. I mean, Scar certainly has 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 woven his web in the Lion King, right? Uh, he's a better but, administrator than Scar. Scar yeah. leads his lions to starvation. He's mm-hmm. he's led the grasshoppers to a better way of life where they need to do no work at all. Um, he's subjugated another people successfully. He's Scar is a, often considered to be the most right. successful Disney villain because mm-hmm. he actually accomplishes his his scheme for a period of years. Hopper more so. Hopper mm-hmm. is more successful than Scar. Mm-hmm. And Sc- Hopper's perspective is sustainable. Mm-hmm. He could sure. do this forever unless someone mm-hmm. stands up to him. Right. I'm going to just briefly talk about Molt, um, voiced by Richard Kind, uh, and take a second just to discuss uh, him and his function in the script. Um, Molt is Hopper's tell. So during that really threatening speech, he tells the colony that Hopper was almost eaten by a blue jay. Sure. So we know that Hopper is vulnerable. And without Molt, we don't have that. We don't get to see that Achilles heel. I think that's an important. He's an important character. Molt, Molt actually, Andy, is Flick's foil. Mm. If you think about it. Molt is the person in the grasshopper camp who tries to go to his leader with an idea. Why do we even have to go back to Ant Island? Nobody here really wants to do that. He's consistently, mm-hmm. he's the one who questions the way Hopper does business. He's the, the person who addresses it. He is the flick mm-hmm. of that society. Hopper yeah. says, if you weren't my brother, anyone else would have been killed. You're the only one, I, because you're my brother and because mom made me swear I wouldn't eat you, that's the only <laughs> reason you're alive. Right. Ada and Hopper are en- are enemies of each other. Mm-hmm. But Flick's counterpart in there is absolutely molt. And yet no meal is made of this. I well, think. I mean, Ada can't. I mean, think about the rigidity of we can't go around the leaf or if we are off the line. She's a perfectionist, right? We can talk about Princess Ada, um, Julia Louis-Dreyfus, who's amazing. Um, I mean, she's really a perfectionist who's worried that she can't take over her mother's responsibilities. And again, my argument is that she the movie really does set her up as the protagonist. And I think she'd make a great one. Um, it could also it could also be a love story between her and Flick, and we'd do better if that were the case. We'd do better to see what's going on in Flick's absence and more conflict between the two of them in the beginning, right? Uh, could, there's a lot of meals to be made that aren't made. You could make the case that the reason the ants freak out about the leaf and there being a gap in the line mm-hmm. is because Princess Ada 
is going to freak out when there's when there's a gap in the line and there's a right that right. her panic the panic that she feels because of the position that she's in has spread throughout the whole colony so even if there isn't a problem in terms of how things are getting done there's a problem in the way in which she is leading yeah uh, i mean yeah she's I not mean, ready for the crown no she's not. i mean I mean, she shouldn't have to take counsel with others to figure out what she wants to do with Flick. Um, I I mean, maybe she does, and maybe she relies on this counsel more. It's interesting that that never pays off. I mean, we have her talking to this counsel, but we never see her talking with them again or getting anything from them again. I mean, I really think she should have more agency here. She absolutely needs more agency or find her agency. Yeah. Or come to a place. Yeah. Where like come to a place where Flick's the only guy who can solve the colony's problems and whoops, she banished them. Right. I would like for Flick to have a moment with, with Ada where Ada says, the council says this and the council says that. And Flick says, but you're the queen. Yeah. You're the queen. Mm -hmm. And you, that, that council serves you. You don't serve it. Something along the lines of Ada's like, but, 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 you know, no one thinks I'm doing a good job. Everybody knows that I'm doing terrible. And Flick says, mm-hmm. I don't think you're doing a bad job. I, right. I think you're great. I wish you knew you were great. That that would give him, that would give him such a, it, would, it, it gives the spotlight to her. Mm-hmm. But she should have it. Yeah. And yeah. it would make, I, I would, I, I see Flick doing that. That's none of that is out of character for Flick. Flick is like, you know why I can tell ideas to the, to the colony? Because I know that I can trust you mm-hmm. to consider my idea. And he's wrong about that in, in my imaginary <laughs> conversation, even as I'm saying about it. But, but if he said, the reason I have these ideas, you inspire them. I see the mm-hmm. problems you have. And, and yeah. I look to, you know, like some, something along those lines that like, or, or, or maybe Ada. All of my ideas come from things that you've said that I've just tried to figure out how to do. When mm-hmm. you said um, other bugs, that was what inspired me to fa- go and find warriors. Mm-hmm. You've always inspired me. Inspire everyone. That's what I want for her. Yeah, I want that too. Um, another potential protagonist for this film could have been Dot, uh, voiced by Hayden Panettiere. Um Dot's the one character in the colony who does believe in Flick. Yes. She's enchanted by him. And at the time she's grown up enough to be able to fly to Flick to help him, she does that, right? So she's she's the one who gathers the Blueberry Troop together to assist in the overthrow of Hopper. She conquers her fears of grasshoppers. I think she's got the biggest arc in this movie. I could see that. And the movie might be better served, I, I might argue, with her as a protagonist. I mean, if if you told me this movie was going to end with the queen realizing Princess Ada should not be queen, it should be Dot, uh, I could see that movie. That, like, mm-hmm. we're, we're going to skip over Ada. Ada's too nervous to do it. Ada doesn't want the job. Uh, Dot might be young, but Dot is ready. And it's about, like, the story of how, like, a kid becomes queen of an ant colony. I would mm-hmm. watch that movie. Yeah. I kind of like, I kind of dig that. Uh, Andy, can you make any sense out of the thing with the rock being a seed? So I'll, I'll set this up a little bit because I have some questions about what it means. Uh-huh. So as Flick is preparing to go off on his journey, he starts to do a metaphor with Dot about how sometimes things that are small eventually become things that are bigger. Right. And he says, take a look at this rock. Imagine that it's a seed. That seed will one day become a flower. 
Later on, when Flick is in despair, Dot gives the rock to Flick, and in some way, that makes Flick feel better. But the metaphor of it really... It's been a long time between those two things. Mm-hmm. Um, what what do you what do you think is going on there? I I came up with an answer, but I'm not sure of it. Well, I think it's a talisman, right? It's something that they shared. She gave, you know, uh, Flick gave her advice, and now she's giving that advice back to him. Visually. But is that the is that the advice that he needs in that moment? That sometimes things that are small over time can become big. We're in a crisis point. We don't have time. Do, 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 like, like yeah, he, he gets I, it to I, her. He's saying you're small now, but one day. But you I won't almost be feel small. like I almost feel like this is this is the day. Like she's this is her day. She's she's no she's big now, and now flick. This is your day too. So I'm going to go with a different interpretation on this. I don't okay. love it. I'm going to say that what 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 happens when when she, is not the giving of the rock to flick, mm-hmm. but when Dot says to flick, you have to imagine it's a seed. That what, like, there's a theme here that Flick is the only ant capable of imagination Mm, and none of the other ants are. Interesting. And that in this moment, Dot is able to show him, I got the concept of imagination now. Mm -hmm. I got it. I got what you were saying about this rock being a seed. You Mm -hmm. taught me that. And like, and maybe Flick doesn't feel so alone being the only ant with imagination. He's not anymore. Dot's yeah. got it too. Uh, I mean, okay, so that that illustrates one of the issues that I have with the script, and that is that there's too much left to subtext, and I'm scratching my head going, okay, how does this fit with the mission? Right. If the mission is to overthrow Hopper. I have to think, oh, this is about this being your time, right? That now you're you have the the talisman you've always had it within you because you've given this to me and now I'm giving it back to you. Um, and now you can go defeat Hopper, but it's, but it's messy. Yeah. It is. It's messy. It's, it's messy. messy. And I didn't quite, and when the bugs don't understand it, like I'm going, I'm, I'm with the bugs on this. Like what, what, what is being, what is being left unsaid here? Exactly. Right. I'm not really I'm not really clear on it. I honestly feel the relationship between Flick and Dot is the heart of this movie, mm-hmm. but the movie wants us to be rooting for Flick and Ada. Mm-hmm. I don't care if Flick and Ada get together. Flick is deserves I don't either because better no, than yeah, Ada. He deserves an adult Dot. Yeah. He deserves someone who gets him, values his opinion. Ada only starts to like Flick when it looks like Flick has been successful at solving her problems. Right. But but that's like she likes him because he's become he's proved himself useful. Mm-hmm. I, I yuck, ick. No, no yeah. thank you. It's how you so, treat someone when when they're not in the limelight that is a measure of how you feel about them. Not the yep. moment they suddenly become popular. I'm at yep, 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 for sure. Um let's talk about the circus bugs a little bit. Um Okay. They're Definitely similar, as I mentioned, to the toys in Toy Story with distinct personalities, and they're fun to watch, and they're voiced by people we love. Um, There's too many of them, not enough time for them to develop. Some of them are just kind of there with nothing, nothing, no character arc, nothing really to do. Yeah, which are your favorites? So I think the ones that, so my favorites 
Uh, Francis, I think, has the most to do mm-hmm. of all of the bugs. Um, Manny's got some stuff. Uh, I I want to like Rosie, but mm-hmm. Rosie doesn't do much. I love David Hyde Pierce as Slim, but mm-hmm. but there's just too many of them. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I I think. I think when they're introduced, this movie becomes about more about their growth and less about the story. I think it's a B story that takes over. Yeah. Well, because they're more fun visually. Yeah. They, they, they have more wacky. They are create more comic relief and wacky hijinks. Right. They're clowns. Uh, there's a lot of there's a lot of comic stuff going on with them, but they don't all really have an arc. Uh and I forget about some of them. I forget about um, the rhino beetle. What's his name? Dim? Dim, Rocky? right. Dim. Dim. Yeah. You know, like, like he's just there. Um, he's neat visually. It's like we want to see a bunch of different bugs. This is a bug's life, and it's not ants specifically. Right. So we do want to deliver on seeing a bunch of different bugs. But, but ultimately, I'm left with some questions, Andy. Like, isn't a Black Widow spider something that could definitely take a grasshopper? I mean, I don't know. I am not. I am not. I mean, she's a lion tamer, scientist. right? She's a lion tamer, right? She's, she's although that's a fraud. But but she's a black. Like when I think of dangerous bugs, I think Black Widow spider. I yeah. don't know. But if you put a Black Widow spider and a and a crick and a cricket in a cage, a grasshopper in a cage. I would put my money on the Black Widow spider. I know yeah. we have a lot of uh, bug enthusiasts who listen to this podcast. <laughs> Write in on this. Let us know. Uh, but I actually think... <laughs> who do you like in a cage match, right? They they are. They, uh, like, they are dangerous bugs. And they're, but, they're, but they're super fun. I mean, I and I think that's kind of what this movie's been missing. I think it's more fun if... And again, maybe it's too Lion Kingy, but... I think it's more fun if Flick joins the circus. I mean that you know. No, I agree. That's it's a, it's and, the classic way to run away, right? And we would have more off time for him to do. He has a relationship with them as a group. He mm-hmm. does not have a relationship with each one individually. And at the moment, there's a bit where like 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 Rosie is the one who's like, Flick, are you sure you don't want to come with us? If she had been his best friend in the group that moment would mean more. But it yeah. really does feel like they just drew straws. She hadn't spoken in a while. It's her turn to deliver the line. Correct. I mean, I think I think there's more that, you know, maybe and maybe in that circus, Flick has a role that only he can fill. Maybe they've always been looking for someone to manage their mechanical engineering of their <laughs> he should make stuff. their act better with his yeah his, here's a place where his inventions are welcome he right. make he solves he saves the circus he's mm-hmm. respected here yeah. and then home needs him yes. yeah um and then and then he feels like well i don't want to go back there because you know and then maybe they all say well we're going with you look at what you've done for us sure. we're help you right um i i love slim and uh <laughs> david hyde pierce i love um, him I, in general I, yeah, I mean, Slim. Slim does. I mean, Slim does have an arc. I was looking for arcs in these characters. So. He's got one. It's a he's small got one. one. Yeah, I mean, he's unhappy about being typecast, and and pretty soon he's the, uh, you know, he he's playful and joyful, and and he's the. He gets to do the role of a lifetime, right? right. When he has to convince Hopper that his eye's been pecked out by the bird, 
right? right? Like he finally gets a dramatic acting moment instead of being right. the prop. That right. that is he finally gets his dream. The one who is, I think, reads the worst right now, and it's mm-hmm. it's because time has changed. Certainly not at the movie. Is how Francis's arc goes. Mm-hmm. Did you? Did, mm-hmm. Okay, you know well, exactly this what constant. I'm, yeah, there's a constant joke about him being a girl because he's a ladybug, and that joke just doesn't age. Well, well, and and his masculinity is constantly being ridiculed because his physicality looks feminine, right. and yet his arc is to actually develop his feminine side mm-hmm. in the star in, throughout this movie that he would be a good den mother that he he is good with children that that maybe maybe he's more feminine and more more like the way he looks than he thinks he is mm-hmm. that is that is the absolute wrong take way to take him now now it would be about him asserting you know that he is the person that doesn't matter what he looks like he's right. this person and he he demands to be taken seriously as mm-hmm. a man, and he should get that. And um, I don't, I don't like that he reconciles with the fact that uh, I guess people are going to recognize that I'm feminine no matter what I do. Yuck! Right, right. Yuck, yuck, yuck. I'll say that. The, so, PT Flea. Can, um, I, can I just get one more of the circus? Sure, spots? sure, sure, sure. Yeah. Um, so Manny, who's played uh-huh, by yeah. Jonathan Harris, doesn't have a lot to do, but I want to point out one line that 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 is like almost meta, and I wonder if it reads as meta to you. So Jonathan Harris is famous for playing Dr. Smith in Lost in Space, uh-huh. uh, who was constantly like this fraud and troublemaker. Oh, the pain, the pain of it all. <laughs> um, you know, uh, I, I loved him on that show. There's not a lot of time to develop his character in the movie, but there's one line when he turns to Frick, to Flick and he says, Listen, as someone who spent his entire life as a fraud, I know how important it is to to finally find people and to, and to really get to be the thing you want to be. Mm. And I felt like for me, that's that's like the line that encapsulates his entire Jonathan Harris's entire career. I immediately flashed to. I haven't seen him be a fraud this movie very mm. much. He's been a magician, mm-hmm. uh, but but so what? But like it to me it takes me out of the movie and just makes me think about the actor and the roles that that actor has played throughout the entire movie. Uh, I, I don't know if other people have that reaction, but, but that was, no, uh, but again, I mean, wouldn't that, wouldn't that line have been awesome if it had, if Flick had been joining the circus and that yes. had been the line that had got him back to his family. For sure. Back to the colony, right? You're not a that, fraud. It's a, you're right. It's a much better place for that line. Yeah. 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 So, yeah, um, I want to talk about P.T. Flea briefly. Um, he's uh, John Ratzenberger, who makes a, an appearance in every Pixar movie. And I um, love him. I love him, too. In fact, Ratzenberger likes P.T. Flea. He said it was his favorite of all the of all the Pixar things he's done. He liked it the best. Um, he's he's greedy. <laughs> in mm-hmm. a, I mean, he's funny. He fires all the circus bugs uh, after the Flaming Death Act nearly kills him. Um, but you know, he realizes that he nearly needs all of them. Um, I, I, and see that Bob, his coming back on the scene feels convenient to me. It happens twice. I could forgive yeah. once. It, happens, it happens twice. Twice. It, yeah. There are two times where things are going well for the Bugs Life people. P.T. Flea suddenly shows up and, and messes things up. He, mm-hmm. he is, he, he ruins their, it, their plans don't fail. 
because of anything that they chose to do. Right. They fail because this guy shows up. And and they should be making mistakes that cause themselves to 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 be revealed that, that they're like, but it, they don't. It's just, you know, a dude shows up. Yeah, uh, I mean, the bird I think is working I, great. P.T. Flea some, somehow gets free from, from his animal crackers prison and then also <laughs> so, like suddenly uncharacteristically decides I'm going to go ma- uh, bug attack this bird. It is a, like it is a level of courage. I, I, I don't see a flea possessing. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't know. I, mean, I like the performance. I don't like the yeah. function. Yeah, I think he does. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I can think of, I, I, I kept waiting for, you know, he fired all the circus bugs. It'd be interesting if he fired them all, Flick got them back rehired, and then he fires Flick, you know, and, and another uh, opportunity. I mean, uh, yeah. And the, and then the what if the circus bugs then say, yeah, we're going with him. Why are the circus um, bugs going back to work for P.T. Flea? No idea. That's, that's, you just read my notes. No idea. They have just gone on a journey. Yep. Yep. That they've arguably should have learned something about themselves and how they value themselves and that they're worth more than P.T. Flea has always said that they've been worth. Mm-hmm. And yet they're going back to the circus. They're going back to this person who mistreated them and fired them. And he really hasn't done the work to like make amends with them. He's just, I, I, it, it's, he, they're going back to work for their terrible boss where they were unhappy at the beginning uh, of the movie. Oh, yeah. They should stay. I mean, they should stay on that island, right? They're revered there. They're heroes. Like they're loved. This movie should it's be weird. they're no longer circus performers. They've actually become the heroes. They've, yeah. they've saved these ants. Maybe, maybe they can do more. Yeah. Yeah. And they're going back to their old life. It just, and, and uh, it's upsetting. Yeah, I don't like yeah, it. I don't either. Okay, which uh, is let's... <laughs> a natural segue to let's talk about theme in this movie. Let's have a discussion about. This. All right, no, buckle wait. up. All right, buckle up. I have thoughts <laughs> oh, about Larry's theme. Got thoughts. I do too. Okay, so you're adapting uh, the Aesop's fable, the ant and the grasshopper. Fables are great opportunities to adapt stories because every fable comes baked in with a moral, with a theme, the thing we're going to learn by hearing the story. That's what Aesop famously did. The story of Aesop's fable is you need to treat problems seriously. You need to work hard. If you play all the time, you will starve come winter. So they've taken Aesop's fable and they've said, well, let's let's get rid of we're taking the story, but we're taking getting rid of the meaning of the story and we're going to replace it with something else because they've decided, as you as you said, the grasshopper is much bigger than the ant. Hmm. Uh, let's let's have what if the grasshopper just beat up the ant and take his food? Well, then you're changing this fable to being like, if you work, you're a sucker. Someone's going to take the profits of your work that doesn't deserve it, um, and and you actually need to not work so hard. I I it becomes it immediately becomes messy when you when you mm-hmm. say I'm taking the story and I'm jettisoning what the story means and going to try to 
build it into something new. And I feel like a lot of the protagonist problems in this movie come from the fact that this movie does not have a clear overarching theme. It has a bunch of little themes that are mm. attached to some of the characters. But sometimes those themes fight each other. They are two conflicting truths that we're supposed to... Look, I'm not willing to do the work philosophically to try to reconcile all of these themes into, into one coherent narrative. Mm. But I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to list them off and I'm going to talk about how they fight each other. So what is Flick learn? Flick, arguably, is the individual in a, in a group of community, in a community. Mm -hmm. um, does he learn how to get along in that community? He doesn't. Not really. He learns that trying to be different will get you rejected. That's what he learns at the beginning of this movie. Or that's what he's supposed to learn. Right? That's what we right. know about him that maybe he doesn't know. Is this a story about how an individual should, should believe in themselves even if nobody wants them to? Or is this a movie, Andy, where at the end what we learn is that the group is stronger together than any one individual, that individuals don't have power, but on my, in a large group, a large group can overcome an obstacle that an individual can't. Those right. are two ideas that this movie posits, and they're both simultaneously true, but they're not rooted to something. The circus bugs, do they believe in themselves? Do they learn that they're more than what they were supposed they thought they were? Well, if that's true, why do they go back to being circus bugs yeah. after having discovered that they're heroes? Yeah. They're, they're, the theme. Why don't they of, stay where the applause is, right? Right. That's what they're why, hungry for. Yeah. Right. If this is about, if this, if Flick's journey is about eventually someone will recognize you're a hero and he mm -hmm. gets that, the circus bugs kind of do and then give it up to go back to being mistreated as circus bugs. The, the theme work throughout all of this. Then there's then there's the bit about yeah. do you do you support the people in power or do you fight the people in power? And what does that mean? Is is Princess Ada really better than Hopper? Look at the I hate Princess Ada in this movie. I love Julia. <laughs> hate Princess Ada. Princess Ada treats Flick like garbage. Mm -hmm. throughout this movie until Flick becomes useful to her. I mean, Hopper's her foil, right? Hopper is the dark side of her. Mm -hmm. yeah. um, and also treats Molt like garbage in this. Is mm -hmm. this a movie about leadership? Well, Hopper is a better leader than Ada is. He inspires his troops better than Ada does. Ada can't make that speech. She doesn't ever make the speech that Hopper makes. Flick makes it. And over and over again, I'm just seeing there's so many little themes here. Pick one and make that your story. You can elevate that one theme over all the others. You can still have the other pieces here. Yeah. But because they don't, we end up with our protagonist problem, which is Flick isn't really the protagonist. Ad is not really the protagonist. 
Dot's not really the protagonist, and the circus bugs aren't really the protagonist, because none of the ideas motivating any of, the, any of these characters is more important than any other idea. And at the end of the movie, like, is this about the power of imagination? Is it? Yeah. I mean, I, I, I wrestle with this a bit, too. I, I think that, and I'm with you, I think there are a lot of strands in the spaghetti pile, right? Um, ultimately, I think the theme is about the strength of the collective over the powerful few. And the reason I say, and the linchpin, I think that, that, uh, I'm hanging my hat on here is that, that speech of Hopper's after the grain avalanche, where he says that the ants ever figure out how much power they have as a collective, the grasshoppers are all toast, right? I think that's the key right there. The, this movie is a journey of everyone figuring out where they belong in that collective, and ultimately, they're all better together because they can defeat the grasshoppers as a team, right? Can't just be one of them that does it. It has to be all of them together. So Flick is a soft hero, if he's a hero at all. Um, right. You know, when Hopper says to him, you know, ideas are very dangerous things. You're put on Earth to serve us. And Flick says, you're wrong, Hopper. Ants aren't meant to serve grasshoppers. Who's the weaker species here, right? And, and of course, in that moment, Flick honors the power of the collective. And the ants are able to use that energy when they finally see their own strength. The problem is the falling action because it doesn't match. No, because the circus bugs leave. And that's right. They have become part of the ant community. Arguably, the ant community should be like, you know, the problem with our ant community is it's just ants. And that's right. All bugs got together. All hearted bugs got yep. together. We yep. could really have something here. Mm -hmm. P.S. What they would have is a world in which Larry is deeply uncomfortable with how the insects <laughs> are conspiring against, are, are now working together. I do not want that. But in the context of this movie. But, you know, but frogs want that. Right. Frogs, frogs are very excited. And, and, yeah. uh, but, but Francis, Francis in particular, of all of them, has really found a place. Like, he's really formed relationships with the blueberries there. Yes, right? yeah, yeah. And, like, and they to could, get ripped away from them, that doesn't make any sense. No, they, they found they found a home. It isn't maybe the big city dream that they wanted. I mean, they, I think they all tell the flea to flip sand. Yeah. I think that, and that wouldn't that be a nice balance because here they've defeated, you know, the ants have defeated Hopper. Can't the circus bugs kind of defeat Flea? Because he's their reason for being, right? And he fires them and, oh, no, no, I need you back. So, like, again, in, in that vein of, like, who's the weaker species, it's the people that don't join the collective. He is literally a parasite. That's what fleas yeah, are. Yeah, yeah, right? yeah. Um, going and back, so is I, Hopper, in a way. Yes. Yeah. But But, like, hey... You know what? The ants now have more leisure time thanks to Flick's invention. You know what they need? A theater. They yep. need, right? That it's time to go regional theater, folks. And there's even that. There's even this line that says, "Are these? Are they just so hungry for entertainment?" I mean, that's a great payoff. Yeah, that they all leave. That that doesn't. That is the part of this movie that always makes me bump my head because again, the collective is splitting apart. So the the craft. The craft takeaway that I, I come from with this movie is you need to know what your movie is about. More you need to know plot and you need to know characters. But like you have to you have you can't just do story. You've chosen bugs as a metaphor. 
That's mm-hmm. what you did when you picked made it a bug's life. It's why you're not using humans. Mm-hmm. If the metaphor here is about how ants discover their collective life together, uh, re- re- rediscover what it means to be a community, then that's your story. Mm-hmm. I want to posit it, an, another way you could go is you could have this long-running ant and grasshopper story and make an ant community that has has turned that into a dogma. We always work, we always work, we always work. Remember? Well, start, uh-huh. we don't. And maybe they've got too much. You could do a sort of Christmas carol reimagining of the ants discovering the joys of leisure time and right. refuting the fable, right? Uh-huh. This, this, this movie takes this fable and ignores what the fable's about, where I think that you could either take the fable and celebrate what it's about, or you could take the fable and say, but that is that moral really a good moral? Is that really the takeaway that we want here? You could do either yeah. thing with it, but they don't. Your, your movie has to have a guiding light. Yes. It has to have something. And, and because you have 90 minutes, you have to have, what's the one thing? What's the, uh, years ago, somebody asked me, uh, he was reading one of my scripts and he goes, okay, what's the one thing this movie's about? And I was like, uh, I was you know, wrestling with a script and I was like, I don't know. And then I came up with the concept of the guiding light, right? Um, there's this game that I play um, uh, called Cosmic Wimp Out with friends of mine. And, and, and we don't have rules, but we have a guiding light, right? And the guiding light is what kind of overarcs the, uh, the, the, mo- the, the game. And I think that's how it is with script screenwriting too. You have to have the thing that you're trying to say. And it's subtext, it's overt sometimes uh, in the, in the case of, but I, and I think it's here, but I think they, they lose it in the weeds. They have a bunch of other lights. Yep. They're also following at the same time. Yep. And some, some of those lights are bug zappers. That's, yep. that's, (laughs) that's what I have. Nice. Nice. All right. Pitch time. There's a video game, there's a theme park attraction at Animal Kingdom, there used to be a Bugs Land at Disney's California Adventure, but honestly, not much. I mean, you'll have sightings of these characters from time to time in certain Disney uh, uh, things. Not recently, I think. But but no, no, I mean, not much has been done with this franchise. What might we do with this material, Larry? All right, so I'm going to suggest a mashup. But this mashup is with the movie Honey, I Shrunk the Kids. And we're going to learn that we're going to take those two movies when Wayne Zielinski and his family come come down to bug size. Wayne and Flick hit it off. They're the same person. They're the (laughs) same person with the same story. And that as Wayne tries to help Flick become an inventor and change mm-hmm. the life of the ant people. He simultaneously is actually teaching himself the lesson he's going to need in order to perfect um, the the shrinking technology. When nice. he comes back and is fully grown, nice. he's, he's more self assured. Flick, Flick, and and Wayne both teach each, each other the confidence they need to serve their communities, and that's that's my pitch, Andy. So does does Flick get turned into a giant ant at some point? At some point, he gets made <laughs> bigger than Hopper. Absolutely, love I love it. Well, I think a sequel's in order, uh, but okay. I think I think Dot's in charge now, 
And all of the ants, it's kind of a new, you know, it's a new generation. And all the ants want to abandon the collective because there's this new ant that moves to Ant Island and convinces them that things are better under the grasshoppers, that life was more predictable, that they didn't have to work so hard to innovate new ideas. And they spent the winters resting instead of doing countless island improvement meetings. Uh, and so Dot loses power. And all the ants follow the newcomer. And so then the question becomes, can Dot channel her ancestors? Can she find the circus? Uh, can she inspire a new group of blueberries to remember the importance of working together? I like that. Dot is Dot is a better protagonist for Dot's this movie. A, yeah, she's great. She's great. Uh, I also want to pitch the idea that both Andy and I simultaneously came up with, but then rejected <laughs> because it belongs to neither one of us. But uh, I would like to pitch what I really want to have happen to these characters uh, is uh, that uh, the Bugs Life cast runs afoul of Timon and Pumbaa and they all are slimy yet satisfying and we never have to deal with these characters again. Thank you. Uh, somebody really loves this movie. And if you love this movie, I do too. So... I'm yeah, a, I, I'm, t- I'm, t- I'm t- I may flick. have peeked an idea that Andy and I had and went with the <laughs> darkest version of it. I'm sure Andy Andy would have the bugs make friends with Timon and Pumbaa. Yeah, but they have to, everybody's got to eat, right? Um, there's a circle of life. Heimlich. Okay. There's no way they're passing on Heimlich. <laughs> That's right. That's right. All right. Well, what movie are we tackling next week, Larry? Ooh, next week we're going into Disney sci-fi with The Flight of the Navigator. Oh, I'm so excited. I have not seen that movie probably since the 1980s. I'm very excited about it. I have seen it. And I I want to talk about it because it it's like two movies in one. I, and I, 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 I'm just going to say that to you here, but then I want to talk about it more in depth next week. I have long wanted to talk Flight of the Navigator with you. Awesome. I'm very excited. Well, friends, if you like what you're hearing, will you do us a favor and share this podcast with another Disney or classic movie fan? And please check out our Once Upon a Disney Facebook page. You can tweet us at Andy Redwine or at Larry Brenner 6 or drop us a line in our mailbag at Once Upon a Disney Podcast at gmail.com. So until next time, friends, see you real soon. See you real soon. <laughs> <laughs>